Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dusty, how was your weekend? Did you make it through all right and ready now to talk Penn State football? Uh, I'm alive, but but barely, Jim. The ch- child did warfare. We party too much. Yeah, well, kid, kid, kids' birthday party. Yeah, I mean, it gets it gets pretty wild. And how old? Uh, it was a dual party. I think it was one and eight. So one and eight. That's that's my crowd. That's my my maturity level. Somewhere I split the difference. I think between those. Well, uh, let's see if we could get you to shift gears here, uh, Dusty. We, we've got a fun topic. Admittedly, this is middle of the summer. Not a lot of Penn State news going on. So we go looking for different interesting topics. And last week after our show, we started to talk about it. And here's where we landed. How about an all-James Franklin Penn State football team? And. Yeah. I think you did a phenomenal job. You not only did the first team, you did an entire 85 man roster, Dusty. Yeah, I, I I wanted to, and and that seemed like a good starting point of getting, of just putting pen to paper with who I think all the best players are at each position and then try to narrow down the starter in each position. And I will say, I don't know if you wanted to get into this or not, but we agreed to do this, you know, a week ago and then, it was such a good idea that T Frank for blue white illustrated did something similar. I think ours is a little bit different. I think a lot of the names that uh, I'll, I'll have here on the show, you know, you can also see from him, but we'll get into kind of the whys behind each of these decisions. And we will go with what my scholarship 85 would be. So it'll be interesting when you get a chance to do the next show with T Frank this week and, and, and just scold him for scooping us. Well, we've got another topic with T. Frank later this week, but I'll give him a little hell for it, and uh, <laughs> we will talk about it. So here's the other part. Two quick comments on this. As I'm, I'm looking at your uh, 85, I often tell you, uh, Dustin, about good journalism means you do your homework. Thankfully, this week you did because I didn't, so we're going to be working off your list. The second thing is, Dustin, I was sure I would have issues, a lot of issues with your with your team. I really don't. Yeah. I have a few, but I'm gonna be nitpicking, okay? So that's yeah. really it. So I'm I'm very impressed. And by the way, I am going to post your 85. I'm gonna uh put it out there. So our listeners, our podcast people could see it and have some fun with it. And I'll give you guys the chance to react to it. That'll be fun. All right, let's get started with it, Dusty. And let's start the obvious place. Let's start at quarterback. And I'll ask you a question here on what you had as your rules going into this. Did you have to be a James Franklin recruit to be on this team? No, I I think you just had to be on one of his teams. And so that really goes back to like 2014, 2015 are, are years where uh, he didn't necessarily recruit those guys. So I think there's, there's a few names on there. Um, some 
were, were on those teams and he did recruit. So that was not a hard and fast rule for me. And another thing that I, you know, and I don't mean, I don't mean to jump out in front of you, but I valued upside of current young players also. And I, I went with, with those types of players on a handful of occasions as well, including at quarterback. Uh, very good. Well, let's start there at quarterback. You actually named five quarterbacks. And I'm curious, where did you have Christian Hackenberg on your list of the top five quarterbacks in the James Franklin era? Well, I mean, it's easy to look in hindsight at what Will Levis became at Kentucky and how he got a chance for that athleticism of his to shine. And so I thought that warranted a place and then similar story, not quite the same for Tommy Stevens. Um, you know, those, those guys with their dual threat scored some points with me as the fourth and fifth quarterbacks. Hackenberg would definitely be six for sure. And I, I wouldn't blame anybody for including him in the top five, but it was all, I think I just look back at that time as kind of like a square peg round hole type situation. And then it probably didn't help that the lasting impression of, of Hackenberg was a quarterback who was picked in the second round and goes down as, you know, one of the bigger busts of, of that of that draft for sure, but uh, he didn't exactly uh, have much success at the NFL level. So just to go one through five, and I do kind of put him in this order, Trace McSorley um, at one, Sean Clifford at two, I'm going upside with Drew Aller, the young, the young kid at three, and then Levis and Stevens. Um, again, I, I just like what they brought to the table, even though they experienced most of their success outside of the Penn State program. I still kind of put their profile um, as Penn State players. Uh, very good. I pretty much agree with the list. What I may question is, do I need five quarterbacks on my roster? I may have gone with four, Dusty, and yeah. saved the roster spot for elsewhere. And you, I believe just the effect both, uh, uh, the impact both Trace McSorley and Sean Clifford had on the program, they had to be one and two in the Franklin yeah. era. I'll be curious. I'll ask you for your prediction. A year from now, a year from now, where do you think Drew Aller will be ranked? Um, I, I don't think he'll be one. So if he has, if he has a big sophomore year, um, I think he's right there knocking on the door, uh, on with Trace McSorley, but McSorley did so much for the program. And he was part of that team that a, uh, won a, a Rose bowl and, and B kind of set the stage for expectation levels. You know, you think back to 2014 and 2015 when they're what seven and six in both of those seasons, it really felt like I'm sure to some people like Penn state was never going to be good again. And then that 2016 team comes around and they're, they limp out of the gates a little bit. Uh, they lose to Pitt. They get blown out by Michigan. And then they go on such a tremendous run. I think the the legacy that goes along with that for McSorley, in addition to the fact that I just felt like Penn's, like he was a better, uh, just better overall college quarterback than, than Clifford was, it made it kind of a, a slam dunk for me. Um, but I think if, if Aller can win some big games, like if he can beat an Ohio State, like that starts to shape a legacy uh, and score some points for him that Clifford, frankly, didn't score. Uh, at, at Penn State, he he accumulated a lot of good numbers, and he won a bunch of games, and he completed a bunch of passes and all that. But I think in terms of legacy, uh, I think if Aller can beat Michigan and/or Ohio State, and he can lead Penn State uh, to the promised land, uh, maybe in year one, then I think he's in that McSorley 
neighborhood. And then I think if he does it again uh, and leaves for the draft, let's say as a junior, then I think maybe he's got a chance to be one on this list, but all that is premature thinking. I'm just thinking in terms of like, if I'm building a roster uh, and I, I want this team to win right now, even though it's all hypothetical, it's all theoretical. We're trying to batch together all these players as if they're the same age and all that. Uh, if I'm trying to build this team now, I want that little splash of upside uh, as my number three quarterback. Very good. And uh, Sean Clifford has to own those two down years that yeah. he was the starter. He has to yeah. own that. And Trace McSorley, and I think you, um, just to clarify, I think you may have misspoke and said he won the Rogues Bowl. If you remember, they lost that right, Rogues right. Bowl I, to USC. Big Ten title is what I meant, yeah. But, yes, he won the title game. They lost that Rose Bowl, but that was such a fantastic game that yeah. I remember thinking at the time, it's hard to call Penn State a loser after that game. It was such so wonderful. I thought it was good for both programs. Let's go to running back. Number one was easy, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any planet where you can make a case for somebody other than Saquon to be that guy. And even if it were close, which it's not, even if it were close, for the same reason that McSorley and all those good vibes from 2016 were there, uh, Barkley kind of gets that nod for being part of that and for really, you know, being in that Heisman conversation for making Penn State cool again. You know, I think Saquon did that for the program in a way that not even Trace did. So I think he got national acclaim because of all those highlight reel type plays, but also just the production speaks for itself. So he was a clear cut number one for me. I think you could go in a number of directions, even for number two, but I have Miles Sanders at number two. Um, and I have Journey Brown at number three uh, because I was so convinced of what he was going to become before he had that heart condition. Now there's projection there, but there's not that much projection. If you look at what he did in the cotton bowl, the, the, the last game there, if you, if you translate the way that he ran, like his hair was on fire in that game uh, over the course of a 12 game season, I think he was going to have a monster year. But he didn't get that chance, unfortunately. But there's a little projection built into that. And then I have the, the the sophomore duo, Singleton and Allen, as four and five. And you could really make the case for maybe Singleton as being three or maybe even two. And I think you can really make the case for Singleton being higher on that list uh, if he does in 2023, at least what he did in 2022, which looks like a pretty good bet at this point. I, that's where I have an issue. I think I would have uh, Nick Singleton number two. Journey Brown, I, I believe you are correct, and our last impression of him was that cotton ball. And, you know, it's funny, we didn't see him, obviously, anymore after that, but, you know, it's kind of like, I'll use Noah Kane as an example. If he his career would have ended prior, like when Journey Browns did, you would have said, hey, that's a guy who would have would have had yeah. quite a career, but it it wasn't it didn't turn out that way. Now, someone can scold me for my thinking with Nick Singleton the same thing, but I would bump him up to number two. My thinking is Miles Sanders only really had one big year. Now blame that some on Saquon, and he had to sit behind Saquon. So I get that, but he had one big year of production. We've already got that one big yeah. year of production from Nick Singleton, and I'm pretty confident we're going to get more of that. I think I would have just bumped Nick Singleton up to number two, Dusty. 
I think I'm what I'm guilty of in this situation is with, with Sanders valuing what he's done since a little bit. And I don't know where that does or should fit into this exercise, but in my mind, the way that I'm laying out that, that counted for something for me. And I'm also guilty of really just having a man crush on on journey Brown, I guess you could say. And, and what, what I was really convinced he was going to do, because if you think about it, it's true that Singleton already has the same number of seasons of big production as Miles Sanders did. He also has more than, uh, journey Brown. If you just say journey Brown had a partial season of that, but I was pretty excited about that partial season, put it that way. But I think Singleton as number two is a very, very valid case. Journey Brown's uh, cotton ball has to be one of the most exciting single games by an individual. And I am with you. I was really excited about what we're going to see from him. All right, Dusty, we spent that most of that segment on just quarterback running backs. I promise to be more efficient starting in quarter number two. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. I'm Jim Galante. And what we are doing is we are going through the all James Franklin Penn State football team. Dusty has put together an 85-man roster, and he's analyzing them from starters to backups, putting together his dream team. So far, we got through our quarterback, our starter, Trace McSorley, Sean Clifford, our backup. Our lead running back is Saquon Barkley. How else are you going to go? Let's go through the rest of the offense, Dusty. And one of the things we already noticed is where there's positions of strength. You kind of padded the roster a little bit, and I'm okay <laughs> with that. Yeah. And there are other positions of weaknesses. Let's go next with the tight ends. I'm going to call this a position of strength, and I'm just going to read off this list. Friermuth, Gazicki, Strange, Jesse James, Theo Johnson. I love every one of these tight ends. 
Yeah, and and uh, Adam Brenneman was a was a tricky case for me. I like I don't know where where would he fit would he fit in in your top five? Um, you know, because you, if you think about uh, legacy too, and and part of the legacy that he built, the biggest part I would say at Penn State because he struggled with injury was during the Bill O'Brien era is just even arriving at Penn State in the first place was was something that uh, was meaningful um, back in what 2013. So, uh, but I I, I valued. Um, production from Jesse James and the reliability from him. And I valued the upside of Theo Johnson just a little bit more uh, and considered that uh, Brenneman had more success at UMass than he did at Penn state, but he, he was definitely a consideration. And I think there are some guys from the current roster who could be make an interesting case at some point in time. I have, you know, the issue with the guy who leaves Penn state. Yeah. You know, and I think, uh, Later on, we're going to hit another name of a player who left. So that kind of leaves a little, and I know his was a little different with injury and then, you know, the comeback, but uh, I'm not, I'm not crazy about that. And I'm just real quick here trying to look up his numbers at Penn state. Uh, Did you look it up? Do you know how many receptions he had as a Penn stater? Uh, I'll, I'll look it up then. Um, But got it. Okay. I'm doing right. my homework here, Dusty. Okay. Okay. Finally. <laughs> he had a total of 15 receptions as a Penn Stater. Okay. I, I thought and it was pretty light. 134 for UMass. Yeah. So when they play UMass this year, which sideline do you think he'll be on? Mm, anyway. Yeah. Interesting. So <laughs> let's get back to the, the players that you do have ranked. You have Fryer move first, then Gazicki. Anything and a tough decision at all for you? Well, I mean, I think Gasicki uh, was known for a really long time as he was defined by what he couldn't do or wouldn't do, which was really be uh, an active and physical blocker. And Pat Frymuth never had that problem. And James Franklin has been crystal clear about what he values in tight ends. And I think that consistency on a down to down basis and a, an ability to contribute just as much in the running game as he does in the passing game. And Fryermuth was miles ahead of Gesicki in that department. Now, you know, Gesicki was more athletic and more capable of, of making splash plays and did some really spectacular things uh, in terms of the receiving game. But Fryermuth was just a, a more balanced player. And I think there's value in that. I think, you know, and it, to me, it was surprising, I think, how easy it was to put Brenton Strange at number three, too, kind of for the same reason. Yeah, it's interesting to me what this past year did. And I know I've said this a hundred times, Dusty, but how many times was it during the season when Nick Singleton had a a splash play? You look and see it was Brenton Strange who made that block to free him up. And I know he was put in that position to do that, to make that specific block, but he did it. And so I think I even give them more extra credit for that blocking. What I'll find interesting, though, what's Theo Johnson's potential? A year from now, where do you think you'd have him? Well, what, what you, did Frymuth, Gasicki, and Strange all go in the second round of the draft? I think they did, right? I'll concede to you. What, I, did. What, I don't let, let's just Let's say they did for a second, uh, and neither of us are going to do that particular homework. Um <laughs> I think Theo Johnson could be the next guy that that goes in that same range. Like if, if all if it all comes together for him, 
Uh, you're talking about a player who probably is capable of, of making um, splash plays that are in the neighborhood of Gasicki, but looks like he's a pretty good and willing blocker. Has you know, really good length and thickness. I think he's a really, really good pro prospect that uh, still needs to put it all together and stay healthy for a year. But if he does, um, I think he can maybe make a, make a case to be, uh, I don't know, maybe third best over Brenton Strange if he does. I think he has the potential for that potential dusty that just means he hasn't done it yet yeah uh, i mean and 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 that's that was really hard like i i t- in situations like this i really i love the unknown like i'm a i'm a real i'm a real uh glass half full kind of guy on especially when it comes to stuff like this so i really value that and i i tend to think the best uh in these situations to a fault i believe our buddy Andy Shea accused me of liking the shiny new objects, and uh, he's right. Yeah, guilty as charged. <laughs> yes. Let's move on to the wide receivers. Again, this is a position I still thought we would have an easier time having enough big names there, Dusty. And just, for example, you put eight guys there. To The current roster actually has 12 wide receivers. Yeah. And looking at some of these names, I think it may have even been a struggle to get to eight. Yeah. Um, I think it was pretty obvious to me the top four and you can nitpick with me about where Deshaun Hamilton belongs. And, but I have Jahan Dotson who had two really monster seasons. Chris Godwin, who is even better at the next level than he was at Penn state, but was really, really good at Penn state. Uh, and KJ Hamler was spectacular uh, at Penn state and, and brought a different dynamic to than both Dotson and Godwin did to the offense. And then Hamilton uh, for, the longest time uh, he was the career receptions leader. I don't know where he sta- stands on that, but he was just a really productive guy. And, uh, you know, and, and that belongs there. And then after those four, you know, like for Parker Washington, for me to feel so comfortable saying Parker Washington would be fifth on this list is kind of problematic because, you know, he had a couple really nice years, but uh, I always thought he had more in the tank than what, what he ended up doing at Penn state. Uh, and then I have Jawan Johnson, Geno Lewis and Keandre Lambert Smith. Like th- those are all debatable. I feel like Th- this was the position group that I probably felt the worst about in terms of assembling even eight names. And, um, you know, we'll talk about another one of these positions later, but it's a group that we we continue to talk about now as being a question mark. And that for the whole time, uh, the, the James Franklin era has been a bit of a question mark. And, Gino Lewis is another one of those who finished his career elsewhere, which was Oklahoma. And, you know, I wanted to put Allen Robinson in there just be- for the memories, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I know he, he wasn't there for the James Franklin era, but love me some Allen Robinson, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, and, and, you know, really a program like Penn state, uh, especially the way that they've played, you know, during, you know, more seasons than not uh, since 2016, you would just expect more quality names on this list. Like it, it kind of it plummets pretty fast after the top four. And that's something that I think James Franklin continues to try and solve, which is why um, Taylor Stubblefield was 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 
you know, relieved of his duties and why they made a change there and why they're trying to recruit differently and develop differently. That's an impact position. And Penn state, frankly, just hasn't gotten enough of that. Um, during the whole time, like obviously you have good names on this list, but not enough of them. And now we're going to finish up the offense with the offensive line. A couple, you know, fashion new, you have to have first, which you do. Um, here's a guy who's coming back after he would have been apparently a top 10 pick in, in the draft. But it, there's nice names here, Dusty, but that's it, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and that's what I think Fashionu brings is the ability to get to get past that. You know, like I've got and this is where, you know, I think T Frank when he did his list for Blue White Illustrated really tried to stay true to form in terms of where guys play, the positions that they play. I took some liberties with that. Uh like for example, on the offensive line, my starting offensive line would include Olu Fashionu at left tackle. And I'd put Donovan Smith at right tackle. You know, he he was one of the the big cases when we you talked earlier about James Franklin recruiting a guy versus having him on the roster. Donovan Smith played that one year, uh, was a little bit disinterested at times, it seems, was a little bit hurt that that year, was a little bit underwhelming. But I still think, you know, if I'm starting a team, I, I think your your best tackles are Smith and Fashadu. And I would put them at, on the left side and the right side, respectively, there. Um I love, you know, the versatility of Connor McGovern. You know, you could put him at, at center. You could put him at guard. Uh, Ryan Bates, you could put him at tackle. You could put him at guard, but I like him on my roster. I put Michael Mena at center and Connor McGovern at right guard and Ryan Bates at, at left guard. Uh, that That's what I would do uh, there. Um, Brendan Mann uh, was another one who I think was really good and versatile. Rasheed Walker, who, again, I, I think you'll remember him for, for not making good on first round uh, talent, according to some of these services. Uh, Juice Scruggs, I thought was really good. Goes in the second round, surprisingly, to the Houston Texans. Landon Tangwall, a little bit of projection there. I just like him as a guard. Uh, Will Fries uh, found himself as a guard. Uh, Hunter Norzad, I think he's going to have a really good season ahead. And then just for upside, I threw Jel- Drew Shelton in the mix there. That is interesting. I like that. It gives that extra touch. But, you know, there's some names, like you said, Donovan Smith, Rashid Walker, didn't give us everything that we thought they could. Um, I think you're also, with Connor McGovern and Ryan Bates, you mentioned NFL careers perhaps having some play in this. And I think McGovern and Ryan Bates, having had then nice NFL careers, is part of this equation. And I think it's part of the equation because I'm really just trying to visualize putting this team on a field. And I think NFL achievements kind of validate what their upside is and what their talent level is. And I think with with those guys, but I think both of them had a really good Penn State career. And it kind of speaks to what Penn State has not had, which is a lot of offensive linemen who had spectacular or great. Uh, college careers. You know, I, I think the fact that McGovern and Bates are there after really, really good careers kind of says what where Penn State is. Now, this is a pretty good list of names, maybe a little bit better than I expected. Very good, Dusty. All right. We are through the offensive side of the ball. Next, we're headed to the defense. And as good as the defense has been last year and what we're projecting for them this year, I'm real curious to see which of the current players you have on this team. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. He's Dusty. I'm Jim. We are going through Dustin's all-James Franklin Penn State team. He put together an entire 85-man roster. He, of course, has his starters, his backups. And again, uh, if you haven't looked, I, by the time you hear this, I'll probably have posted the entire 85-man roster. I would love to hear a reaction from folks, see if they disagree with anything. And it, it's really a tough, tough assignment that you fulfilled here, Dusty. And we finished up the offensive side of the ball. Let's go to the defensive side. I want to start at the line of scrimmage. Before we get individual tackles and defensive ends, I think it's fascinating and it speaks to the talent that James Franken has had that each position has two guys on the field at, at a time, two tackles, two defensive ends. So I would think you would have the same number of players on the roster from each position, but no. Eight <laughs> tackles, 12 defensive ends, and that is a comment on the talent. Let's start with the tackles. Again, a bit underwhelming, uh, Dusty, but it's a reflection of what we're still talking about with this team. It's it, it just like wide receiver it remains a, a focus of conversation, and it remains a position where they haven't uh, gotten a lot of you know can't miss type players. They haven't gotten five-star players, but what they have done, I think is make the absolute most of what they've had. And that shows up in a lot of players on this list. So my starters, uh, Anthony Zettel, who was really, really good after moving inside from defensive end and Austin Johnson, who I think was the, the best run defender of the James Franklin era for sure. You know, he, he had a really good uh, final season for sure. And, uh, I think if you're looking for that space clogger type, he is by far the best. And then um, after him, PJ Mustafer, who was a really good talent, 
who had a really good career. I think he met expectations during his time at Penn State. Uh, Robert Windsor, I think they maximized. Zane Durant there for upside. Uh, I think he can be uh, somebody who helps solve the defensive tackle problem uh, at Penn State. Kevin Givens, another com- converted defensive end. And I'll, I'll bring this, every time we talk about Kevin Givens, I'll bring up the fact that uh, when he was coming out, uh, whatever class that was, we were debating whether he was a linebacker or a defensive end. And then he went defensive end to defensive tackle. And he's had, you know, surprisingly good, productive NFL career as well. Curtis Cothran was another guy who moved inside from defensive end. And Parker Cothran was somebody that they really maximized, who I think was a low three-star uh, recruit who uh, who just had a nice career at Penn State. And the fact that Parker Cothran and Curtis Cothran are on this list kind of speaks to, you know, again, a, a list that doesn't run very, very deep with, uh, with guys who had multiple good seasons. You're right. And a lot of these names, Zettel, Austin Johnson, were both really good players. But it's been a while since they've been on the field. P.J. Mustafer was last year, and I don't think last year was his best year. Uh, He's still coming off of an injury, so I'm not sure. He had a nice career, but probably could have had an even better career with that, that injury. And I think the fact that you have Zane Durant on this list as one, two, three, four, your fifth player Zane Durant. And again, it's another guy who it's projection, but I think it also speaks to the lack of depth with this group. Yeah. And I think for some of these positions, I don't know if like, if I, if I were really pressed on it, would I take Zane Durant over Kevin Givens? Probably not. Like, I don't think I really, um, towards the tail end of the depth chart, was was saying, hey, I'll definitely take Durant over over Givens. I just I plugged him in there roughly where I thought he would be, but I think um, Givens uh, was was better than was a better pick to to go a little higher. But either way, these, these that that would be my eight. And again, I mean to only have eight that were v- what I considered viable candidates uh, kind of says of you know what we're currently discussing with Penn state at defensive tackle that they just haven't started with enough talent uh, to really field a dominant one, two punch there very often. And I don't think we've really seen that since Zettel and Austin Johnson were teammates. A lot easier to find names though, for the defensive ends where you have 12 of them, Dusty. And I pretty much like all of the names. Yeah, I mean, I like all the names too, and I, I don't think there were a lot of stretches on here. And what can be nitpicked, I think, is the the sequence that they go in. Uh, but Carl Nassib and Yitor Gross Matos for both their uh, upside and what they've done at the next level, uh, their production, you know, in terms of getting in the backfield, it's hard to debate those two as, as being your top two. Um, I think Chop Robinson, you know, if I'm starting a team today, what Chop Robinson has shown, I would want him high in my rotation as well. Uh, Arnold Ebicati was uh, really what he was not just really good and really productive, but he showed up every game and made a play. You know, that's one of the things that I, I, out of 12 games or whatever, I would venture to say a huge majority. He had at least a share of a tackle for loss. Like he, he made a play happen behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, in most of Penn State's games. And that meant something to me in this um, too, is that he, not only was he really talented, big, strong, and fast, but it was consistent and his effort was consistent. And that scored points with me. And that's 
why I've shot Tony probably lower than some would have is because, you know, his production tend to have tended to happen in bursts, the, you know, a four sack first half or whatever, like it just didn't show up as consistently for me as I, as I would have liked. Um, that's why I've denied Dennis Sutton and why I'm such a bit, I'm, I'm a big believer in what he's going to do, but why I would, I would put him above Shaka Tony, which again, if you're talking about strictly production, that is a no brainer for Shaka Tony, but um, Jason Oway, Jesse Lucchetta, who I loved as a hybrid end linebacker. I just, I just love that position. He played in the way that he played it. Adisa Isaac, I think by the time his career is done, is going to have two really nice seasons on his resume. Sharif Miller did some really good things. Uh, Dion Barnes, who his legacy continues as the developer of defensive end talent now. And then I think Garrett Sickles uh, made, made the cut for me too. Uh, it's a good list. I'm sure you could have some Jason Oway uh, advocates who would push for him higher. Adisa Isaac, as you said, could probably end up higher. Sharif Miller, you know, um, these are names that people could argue the order on. And the argument here is who's better, you know, not who's worse. Okay. So right. there's a lot of depth there. I, again, it speaks to the positional strength. Let's let's hit uh, linebackers, uh, Dusty. Fascinating position group. Tell me your top three linebackers. Well, this was another one, just like the offensive line, where I took some liberties about who I'm lining up where. And it's like, so my top three, Micah Parsons, Abdul Carter, and Curtis Jacobs. You know, you talk about the, the crossroads between unbelievable talent and production. Uh, Parsons, unbelievable talent. Uh, you know, left Penn State high and dry, I guess, a little bit in 2020. Um, Abdul Carter, freakish in terms of like meeting the eye test and putting together numbers as a true freshman. I think that's only going to continue. And Jacobs, you know, by he, he just continues to be a really, really good player. And I, you know, if I'm starting my my linebacker group, I want those three in it, and that would include probably putting Abdul Carter at, at middle linebacker, which might limit some of the playmaking, the, the ranginess and playmaking that he has. But I, I don't think really would because I, if I'm getting my top three, my three best linebackers on the field, to me, that that's the group. And this is one where you can definitely uh, argue. And I think, you know, in my case, I have a little bit of recency bias over some of those guys who were, who were there in the early years of, of Franklin's time. But, uh, but I, I really, I just really like these three guys for their um, production and for their upside. Uh, Dustin, I think this is the position that really speaks to the talent that there is there now. The fact is in, um, the two linebackers, Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs, you're talking about guys who have not finished their career yet, have not finished accumulating their numbers. In fact, in the case of Abdul Carter, they've just begun. No argument, Micah Parsons, number one. No argument at all, even with that. Could you imagine if he had gotten that last year in? Uh, Yeah. It would have been phenomenal. But it speaks also to the depth of that position that two of the three top ones that you have are still on the roster. 
Yeah, and and if we do this team next year, there might be another one uh, or two, depending on how things go, that that might make that upside category that we've talked about with Denai Dennis Sutton and and those guys, Drew Aller, those guys, uh, Tony Rojas. It took a it, it took a lot to not put Tony Rojas on, on this list. Like if I'm building a team right now, give me that that speed as a, as a weapon for sure. But I I I exercised a little bit of caution there. Um, but yeah, I, I really think that he could make that list too. Um, but I've also got Ellis Brooks, Brandon Smith, Brandon Bell, Jason Cabinda, Cam Brown, and Mike Hall in some order. It's like the, the list, you know, the, the positions are all different, strong side, weak side, middle. So depending on what you're looking for and where you could probably shuffle the deck around a little bit here, but I just felt like these were guys who, who delivered and, or, uh, really met the eye test, like Brandon Smith, for example. Uh, yes, and they're, again, nice names after the top three, but it leads me to this question. You mentioned, you know, the up-and-comer uh, Rojas. Where's he going to be on this list come next year, do you think? I think he's on it, to be honest. And, and, and it's interesting because um, he doesn't fit at middle linebacker. Uh, they've got Kobe King and Tyler Elsden there. Maybe Tamir Robinson makes makes a run at that at some point in 2023, which he'd be an interesting name to watch for this list. But I think Tony Rojas is going to do so many splashy things. He's going to make highlight reel type plays. He's going to be shot out of a cannon up a gap. I think Manny Diaz is going to utilize that speed in some interesting uh, and fun ways. So I think he's, to me, he's probably on this list next year, especially if I start to get rid of the Geno Lewis's and the Parker Cothrans of the world and make room for more of that upside. That's not enough. <laughs> well, it's interesting, too, that you mentioned Tamir Robinson, and maybe even he and Rojas, it's, it, that is the recency bias. That is the what we hope they will become. But, you know, we probably talked about Manny Bowen the same way a few years back. We did, especially Ross, who had him number one in that recruiting class when he put together his rankings. You remember that? I haven't I, forgotten. I think there was a pretty good running back in that class, too. What was his name? Uh, Saquon Barkley, who was, who was locked in as Ross's, what, fourth best player in that class. <laughs> Poor Ross. We will not let him forget that. All right, Steve, that is it for quarter number three. We've still got cornerbacks, safeties, and special teams to go. Stick around for that. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. 
Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the fourth and final quarter of the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Dusty. I'm Jim. We are doing Dustin's all-James Franklin Penn State football team. We're creating an 85-man roster of players that have played under James Franklin. It's now 10 years that he's been around. And it, it's been an interesting team. What's fascinating, Dusty, so far as we go through the list is the things that we we still have concerns about defensive tackle and wide receiver today. And you look at this list and you go, yeah, it's Fair. been it, it's been an issue. Boy, tight ends have been good. Oh, yeah, it is when you put down the list of names. Now, it's going to be kind of fun. We're heading to the defensive backs. Let's start at cornerback. And your top two guys, these were the two guys that we saw here uh, last season. And, And I don't think you can. I think it was clear to me that Joey Porter Jr. and Kalen King were were those guys. You know, Porter with with his athletic uh, profile, with you know the year that he had um, last year, he steps into that number one cornerback role, and he did a really good job with it. He goes in the second round; could have easily gone in the first round of the draft. Many expected him to go in the first round, um, so he he was a pretty obvious one to me. Um, Kalen King was also pretty obvious, considering all the statistical darling stuff to get to that had to do with him last year. The fact that he was so good, didn't have any pass interference penalties last year was one of pro football Focus's best cornerbacks might've even graded higher than Joey Porter jr. Did uh, at the end of last year. So those two guys, both in terms of their, um, their athletic profiles, as well as what they did on the field, even if it was just for a season together. And I think, you know, Porter played a, a prime role before that, but really just one really good season for him. And I think the same thing is true with Kalen King. He's going to have another really good one, maybe an All-America type season coming up before he presumably leaves for the NFL. So those two guys uh, were were clear, in my head anyway, uh, that, that were the top two cornerbacks. Because it's just hard to find more. Like, Penn State has done a good job at cornerback, but they haven't had a lot of great ones, put it that way. You know, they've had a lot of really, really good ones. And Terry Smith has coached his butt off at that position. You know, no slight there, but um, they just haven't had a lot of dominators there. They've, they've, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they've recruited and developed guys who, in a lot of situations, were kind of undersized. You know, John Reed was a little on the small side, Daquan Hardy on the small side, Grant Haley on the small side. So th- those guys who are all who are on the team, by the way, uh, I go Amani um, Oruwariye at, at three, John Reed at four, then Daquan Hardy and Grant Haley. Um, I think it's kind of splitting hairs. Like 
whether you go with one over the other, Hardy over Haley or Haley over Hardy uh, as a slot defender, they fit into a different category. Uh, Tariq Castro Fields I have on the list and Christian Campbell too. Um, that That's my group. Eight of them. And that, I think you have to recognize, as you did, that Daquan Hardy as the slot guy, it's, it's a bit of a different position. You have to recognize how special it was to have both Joey Porter and Kalen King in their prime on, on that same roster. And Daquan Hardy, it was interesting you have him where you do, because I don't think he had a great season last year, but I truly believe the talent is there. We saw it two seasons ago. I think we'll see this uh, again out of him this year. How about Johnny Dixon? Were you tempted at all? I had I, he, one of the last switches I made was putting Campbell in over, over Dixon. And I would definitely listen to, to adding Dixon and replacing Campbell or just adding Dixon and, and compromising someplace else on the roster. Um, especially after this, after this season, like he'll put together a pretty good body of work by the time his, his career is, is done at Penn state. So I would absolutely, listen. he was very, very nearly uh, on my team. I ended up, I just, I put all the names I thought could be on the team down and I ended up at like 102 scholarships. So I had to, I had to trim down and he was one of the last trims for me. And I didn't feel that great about it. Uh, I, I definitely, I definitely thought he could have belonged on that list. And I think what we saw from him when Joey Porter wasn't in there, we really didn't see a drop off in the performance of the cornerbacks. Yeah. You know, I, I am not saying Johnny Dixon's as good as Joey Porter Jr. I'm not, but the performance was was there. And I always I always feel obligated, Dusty, to mention this. When Johnny Dixon, when they first brought him in, I was like, why? Yeah. You know, what what is the reason for this? And I see what it was about. It wasn't so much about that first year. It was James Franklin looking forward a little bit. And now when they bring someone in through the transfer portal that I'm not looking at as immediate help, I say to myself, wait a minute, though, this might be the next Johnny Dixon, right? Don't judge it yet. Could be the next Johnny Dixon. Storm Duck was not the next Johnny <laughs> Dixon. Uh, he was not on this list of top cornerbacks of the James Franklin era. I don't think we'll be looking at Aldavian Robinson, who came from Mississippi State, as being that guy, but he'll be an interesting player for Terry Smith to develop. Uh, but so I think Johnny Dixon is, is unique in in the how quick he was able to make an impact and how prolonged that impact is going to be. You're going to have more non Johnny you know, Dixons than you are Johnny Dixons. That's true, but how do you know he won't be the next Johnny Dixon? I, that's what I thought of Johnny Dixon when he came yeah. in. So yeah, so it it could very well be I. I We'll trust them on that pick. Now let's go to safeties. Some wonderful names here. These got there's so many of my favorite players here, Dusty. Yeah, and and I love this position for what they can do uh, on special teams and and how their physical skills can contribute because they're so they're such versatile athletes. Um, you know, to me, like I, I really wanted to try to give Marcus Allen more consideration as being one of the top two. And I was really trying to be conscious of like with Jaquan Brisker and Jair Brown, uh, is there a recency bias at play there? And I was like, no, they're, they're just better players than Marcus Allen was, you know, Marcus Allen was beloved 
and his personality was unbelievable. He did great things as, as a run stopping safety, but he just wasn't dynamic enough to be in the same category. I think as Brisker and Jair Brown, you know, he's a linebacker at the next level now, like, and that's pretty much what he was at Penn state. Um, so, so he was third on my list, pretty clear cut number three on my list. And then one of the things that jumps out about this group is that there are some guys who were good at Penn state who have exploded uh, at the next level. Adrian Amos and Nick Scott are, are two of those guys. You know, Nick Scott, if you remember in 2016, wanted to move the cornerback because he saw or safety because he saw the writing on the wall with Saquon Barkley at running back. Uh, now he's a really good player for the Rams. Adrian Amos is one of the best uh, safeties in the NFL. Uh, Troy Apke, I put in that category and I have him on the, on this list. Um, I don't think he's amounted to much at the, at the next level, but he did. Uh, he did tear it up at the combine. That counted for something for, for me. Okay, here's two very interesting names you have on here, Dusty. K.J. Winston and King Mac. I uh, I think K.J. Winston's going to be really good, and I think the I think the potential is also there. And I think you're gonna you're gonna start to see that. So it's it's rare, I think, to have like NFL attributes and be a really solid player right out of the gates. And I think KJ Winston is going to be that sooner than later. Uh, King Mac. I just, I love the speed and I just, I love the player. You know, I, I think, I think he's going to be a great player at Penn state. And there was obviously some projection there, but that's, that's why it's my list. You know, I, I, I think, uh, I think King Mac has a chance to be special. And I think you know, I ran out of guys who, ha- who were special, you know, like, and, and it's no knock on, I got Keaton Ellis on this list, uh, Garrett Taylor on this list as well. It's no knock on, on who those players are, but in terms of having special attributes, that's what put that, that's what separated King Mac for me. Like I, I felt like I wanted those special attributes on my team. And I think Dustin, looking at this defensive list that you have as a whole, it really speaks to the current team and the most recent roster. You know, Brisker and Tig Brown lead the way to K.J. Winston and King Mack, the cornerback from Joey Porter uh, to Kalen King, the linebacker situation where it is now, the fact that you have two of them current linebackers on at the top of this list really bodes well for that part of the team. And and I think, you know, the conclusion I would draw there is that James Franklin and his staff, uh, certainly over the past few seasons and over their, their 10 years um, at Penn state, I think they've honed in more and more and more on the recruiting front in terms of what they're looking for, why they're looking for it and where it fits in the the small picture and the big picture. And I think the the 2022 freshman class was pretty good evidence of that. Like I think what they're pursuing, uh, what they're looking for in, in guys that they're they're recruiting has become a lot more of a science now or that they've gotten better in that area. And I think they've been really good developmentally. And I think they've just started to put the puzzle pieces together to find more of those special attributes. Real quickly, let's get your special teams guys before we get a chance to wrap it all up. 
go ahead. Special teams. Look, look, I, I, I don't want to necessarily have to use a, a scholarship spot on a long snapper, but Chris Stoll is, is the greatest long snapper in the James Franklin era. And it's not close. Somebody has got to snap the ball. So he's on the team. Uh, Jordan Stout. I was going to try to save a scholarship here and have him be my kicker and punter, but Blake Gillikin was too good on the punting front. I would take Jordan Stout as my place kicker, uh, kickoff specialist and Blake Gillikin as my punter. And I think what Gilligan did was is forgotten by a lot of people. He was tremendous at punter. Okay, Dustin, wrap it up. The entire team, like you mentioned, Johnny Dixon was one name that was close to making it. Are there any other names that you wish you could have squeezed onto the team? Anything else in your overview of the group? Uh, I mean, a couple young guys who I think will be on the team sooner than later. Uh, Javen Williams and Alex Birchmeyer uh, along the offensive line. Like I think they're both pretty college ready and they seem like pretty mature guys who have a lot of upside too. And that's, that's one thing that I think will make them um, focal points of, of the staff uh, coming up. But I, I think for the most part, you know, the, the wide receivers and defensive tackle thing, I think it was eye opening to me that this was uh, not a problem area necessarily, but just not Penn state's best position uh, under James Franklin. And they're trying to fix that, but uh, that, search continues now but otherwise i think defensive end is my favorite position of the group uh running back they they had that little bit of a stretch where journey brown got hurt and couldn't play anymore and they, they needed to find themselves again they absolutely have with singleton and allen they very much backfilled that area that position yeah. tight, tight end is the other one that there just yeah. seems to be they just churn them out all right dustin that is it for our show a lot of fun great work by you Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.